Hi, and welcome to this episode of Conversation with the Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves of Nam, where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to the Elders past and present and to any First Nations people listening today. Today I'm talking to Rosemary Andrews at Mieta by Rosemary. I was first aware of Rosemary in 2021 through her glorious creations on the dessert trolley at Attica's summer camp. That was an absolute thing of beauty as it was wheeled out almost groaning under the weight of such divine and delicious creations. Then later that year, these gravity-defying layer cakes started appearing on my Instagram feed. Espresso, Valrona cocoa and hazelnut, eight-layer carrot cake, burnt honey, toasted wattle seed and dolce de leche. Then there were the tarts and cheesecakes. Rosemary was bringing joy to Melburnians in lockdown through her weekly dessert boxes. And I think she broke the internet. Well, (laughs) social media at any rate. You can imagine then the collective excitement when she announced that she was opening a bricks and mortar cake shop in Malvern. Mietta means sweet little thing in Italian, and it's the perfect way to describe the goodness Rosemary is putting up. It's also the perfect way to describe this tiny patisserie with its white marble bench, gold and glass cloche, and a mini gilded bar trolley, reminiscent of the one at Attica summer camp. Rosemary and I chatted about her love of baking, but more importantly, the happiness her baking brings to people, as well as the challenges of running your own business and deciding on the look you want for it. I'd been trying for a while to talk to Rosemary, and it was absolutely worth the wait. Hi Rosemary, lovely to meet you. You too, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. So we're standing in Mieta, which is, um, I guess I looked at the photos on Instagram and I thought it was much bigger. So it's, it's a beautiful space and I love all the white marble and the beautiful French porcelain flowers on the wall. Um, and then the gold, um, I guess, font of Mieta and um, accents and so on. Did you, was it easy to choose how you wanted to present your cakes when you came into the space? No, absolutely not. So actually I got some designers called Design by Golden. Um, They're architects in Melbourne who do like a lot of um, bakeries and restaurants and sort of like luxury homes in Melbourne. And I sort of approached them just for like an advisory pack, just because I always wanted to have like a bakery that looked like a French patisserie, like something really um, beautiful and with the gold and marble obviously being inspired with the domes and everything by famous pastry chefs but I just didn't know how I ever wanted it and I still think that I don't because we just kind of got this as a pop-up for six months oh right so I was actually looking for like two years and I was never being able to find I guess the perfect space but what is the perfect space that's probably the question I would ask myself or anyone else because I think we just this one came up and we just sort of went for it and then I just approached them and to see how we could change the fit out to make it work. Because, yeah. yeah, as you said, it's small. Yeah. <laughs> so what was this before? Um, they were doing, a, it's like a catering kitchen. So it's okay. like 120 like, square metre. Yeah. So the, all the rest of the back of it is um, kitchen, which is what I needed to make like production, like high volume. And then it was more of just this is a test to see 
whether the audience from online would come, you know, to your shop. And they have, haven't they? Yeah, they have. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is amazing. It's been really great yeah. to have that support. I didn't expect it at all, like the, the lines and everything like that. Yeah, it's been pretty consistent so far. Well, I guess, and I think um, I was mentioning to you that I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you've obviously been a pastry chef in, yeah. in a restaurant and then yes. you've done the cooking from, well, not home, but, you know, over lockdown and so on, doing the cakes, and now you're in this space. Mm-hmm. I guess what are the lessons that you've learned from each version of cooking? <laughs> um, and what, do you I mean, is there one that you prefer more, or what, are they all um, different, and so they have, all have goodness? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I think everywhere has different, you know, pros and cons. Um, I would definitely say, like, because I've always wanted to be, like, a business owner and have my own shop or patisserie. Um, it's so different from being a chef, like working for someone, to being like a chef and a chef owner. Mm-hmm. Like the responsibility of being an owner um, is huge, and it's probably not what I expected. Like I always knew, um, like I mean, I got a really good understanding when I worked with um, Ben Shuri because I spent six weeks with him setting up at a summer camp. So that was a really good learning experience to see, you know, it from scratch and all the little details that you have to think about and like building and painting and all the things that, you know, little troubleshooting things that come up. But I think, yeah, once it's yourself and it's like, um, you know, your money that you've tried to save and then um, just trying to pull that all together and then you've got the responsibility of, you know, 15 to 20 staff who need to pay their rent in a really you know, high cost of living times, it's, it, it is a big pressure, I think. Is that your staff? 15 to 15 Yeah, that's huge. Like, yeah, it's huge, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of front of house, Yeah. mostly because we were having quite long lines and we wanted to make sure that we were keeping that high standard of service and we didn't want to make people wait um, mm. just to give them that experience. Um, and also, yeah, I think it's really hard to find, you know, staff as well at the moment too in Melbourne, especially for hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, where did it all start for you? Did you always know that you wanted to be a chef? Yeah, absolutely. Ever since I was little, I've always really loved um, like cakes and all those sorts of like afternoon teas that we had with the family. And mum was always doing fundraising and taking like slices to her friends when we'd go. You know, you'd always take a plate because I'm from Tasmania. It's like a very common thing that you do in a lot of community, like raising money, um, school stores, things like that. We also had like quite a few elderly neighbours and I really loved baking so I would often bake muffins and then just go and knock on their door and give them the muffins and they were widowed so like they would get so excited and yeah. happy that you know this little girl's come and thought about them and bring them a small cake. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've just always really loved that sort of making people happy through, you know, baking something and that was something that came out like during lockdown. You know, so many people sent the dessert boxes to say like I'm thinking about you or I care about you or mm. you know some people would message me to say like they were looking forward to it for the whole week like you know it was really overwhelming but it's really satisfying part of our job I think yeah yeah so when you started your training so you went from cooking at home with your family yeah. and then what was the next step so you um yeah so I always just did um we did like catering courses and things like that in high school I think it's like home economics or something I'm not sure what it's called food studies. Yeah, yeah food studies, <laughs> something like that and then I um I went to college and I just knew that I wanted to be a pastry chef so I actually went to something else called Drysdale which is I think your equivalent of like Willie Mangles or something like that and just studied full time to do, um, at first I did cookery first and then patisserie and then I did an apprenticeship with pastry. Mm. Yeah. 
And, uh, and we, where was your apprenticeship? Was that in, in Tasmania? Tasmania. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's amazing because I feel like, you know, um, pastry is so much more precise and people talk about it as being a bit more of a science. And, um, yes, definitely. And, yeah, so does that appeal to you as well? I mean, you've kind of got the, the two aspects there, like the making people happy yeah. <laughs> through delicious yeah. sweet treats, but then there's... They're quite complicated too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm always troubleshooting. And I think that's something that I really love in my job is like, um, you know, trying to be better every day. Like I'm always like that and trying to, you know, get the perfect crumb on the pakasha or, you know, all those sorts of things. Like I'm just forever evolving and trying to be better in what I do. Mm. I don't think you will ever be, you know, what you want to be at as chefs. I think we're always like that. We're always trying to be better at what, yeah. what we made or what we did last time. but. Yeah, there's definitely a scientific behind it. You know, you can't just put five extra grams of bicarb in something because it's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the recipe? Because I um, wrote about summer camp um, for broadsheet. and so oh, did I, you really? So I, oh, I, was, I went out there and I, and I ate and I saw that, that dessert trolley was just like next level. But yeah. Ben was telling me about, was it the sponge cake that there were just so many different... Was it, was that the cake that was lots of different versions that um, there was some like really sharp? Oh hot yeah, I think Ben Shuri spent months like working oh, on it. Um, yeah. yeah, doing this. Yeah, he's amazing at pastry as well. He's yeah. like, a really good mentor to me. But yeah, he spent a really long time developing recipes. They actually do that at Alika. They spend like weeks or months or like even a year, I think. He kind of just like analyzes a you know a dish that he wants to do and spends like a really long time on perfecting it to what he wants and then sometimes i think it doesn't you know they don't end up on the menu because like i said you know chefs we are <laughs> i just like that yeah that's amazing though isn't it and yeah. so what would your process be because your cakes are so beautiful and things like the eight layer carrot cake the eight layer carrot cake is that i mean getting that idea in your head mm -hmm. Are you a visual person? Do you have notebooks? Are you like thinking of what it's going to look like first and then how you're going to get there? Or yeah. I'm definitely a visual person and I'm definitely not a notebook. Okay. No, definitely not. Okay. I know a lot of chefs are, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm not a very good planner. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just like a go getter. And yeah, I just, I think with the carrot cake, I always found like if you go to other places, it's always too much cake or not enough frosting. Yes. And I like frosting and I also like cake, but I don't like dry cake. So I just had this in my head, and I had this thing with layers, I think you would have seen. Yeah. I really like like lines of things, or like uniform, and I don't think anyone in Melbourne, or maybe like Australia that I've seen, does like layer cakes, um, like a lot of them, like what I do, at the same sort of quality perhaps. So yeah. I think that's just kind of my thing, layer cakes, and I just kind of ran with it. Yeah. So when you're experimenting though, or seeing what works and what doesn't work, are you just keeping a mental record of that then? Yeah, And absolutely. the next time you do it, you just adjust it and then you think, okay, that worked or didn't work? Or yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm able to like remember numbers and recipes and things like that quite well. Yeah. That's amazing. Rather than like writing stuff down and planning it out. Like I know a lot of chefs like love to like plan it and then they'll sketch it and everything, but I just skip that part. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. probably a bad thing sometimes, oh, but no, it's worth, <laughs> obviously working for you. Because um, that, I can't even imagine. But I guess you know when you're used to working with the the product, um, just even how you're slicing it. Yeah. <laughs> so but they're all so perfect for the yeah. layers. Like they're just obviously you know that sort of thing, and you're really yeah. good at that. But I would just be so nervous every time. 
yeah. it in a really big, do you make it in a round cake? Yeah, like carrot cake. Yeah, you make it in a slab. Yeah. A slab, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my partner helps me a lot with slicing and things like that. He's a chef. Okay. But yeah, I'm very much like, yeah, I like the clean cuts. Mm. Like, I think it's just the style that I do. Like, I do the classics, but I just want to do them well. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, presenting it that way, like clean cut, really represents, you know, the ingredients that you're using or the quality of the product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly people do love it. And as you say, you know, if you're just um, feeling out for what it would be like yeah. in a physical shop and it's been really successful, do you, uh, successful is a really um, tricky word and I, I understand that, but, you know, if you're gauging how well you're going, um, you know, do you, is it good to have that much kind of viral social media um, presence or does it put more pressure on you to, I don't know, does it? I think, yeah, I reckon, like I don't really know how to describe the word success either because a few people have said that to me most recently and asked a very similar question to you and I don't really have an answer because I don't think I myself know what, know what that is because I don't think of it like that. No. I'm just trying my best to try and be better at like a lot of different things now, not just like making cakes, you know, now I'm a business owner and I have people like staff that are looking up to me. Obviously, yeah, I have my name in the media. You have that expectation from other previous places that you've worked as well. That's probably more pressure on me. Social media-wise, I think like I'm always trying to be better, but I'm, I'm not a marketing expert and I've done it all myself, so I just try really hard. Yeah. Now I forgot where I'm leading with this. But yeah, so success and um, and social media and pressures and so on. It's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the pressure of social media. I've just kind of um, like I don't feel like it is a big pressure because I love to like interact with my customers yeah. and things like that, and you know see them like that they like what I'm making and things like that. I think that's more like motivating for me. I'm one of those people that I've like buzzed off other people's energy. So if I wasn't probably getting that, would wouldn't feel like it's yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And um, and how many cakes do you have on the go at one time? Uh, in the cabinet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we have about eighteen different varieties. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. like quite a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do like cheesecakes, but we have like a couple of different varieties, like pandan or vanilla or dolce. Like that's an example, but. We always have that big variety selection because I think yeah it's quite hard to you know go around Melbourne and have like a huge variety of something you know one day you might just feel like a chocolate cake but you know they're not making it that day so I just want to have like a consistent variety that you know pleases everyone for like all audiences and, and cultures as well I've been trying to do different flavors and things like that too. And where do you get that inspiration is that from the customers coming in or is it from... No, I think it's just my palate and the, where I've oh, worked okay. in restaurants. Like, you know, I've worked in quite a few um, uh, restaurants like Izzard and things like that That's where right. they focus on like Japanese flavours or like Spice Temple. There was a lot of Chinese influence there as well. So I've been like open to a lot of different flavours and I just really enjoy them and try and bring them into my cakes as well. Mm. Like I just did this um, six layer hummingbird recipe and I just, you know, traditionally it's just banana, pineapple and coconut, but I've put like yuzu jam through it just and like orange to just like spice it up a little bit, give it a bit more elevation in terms of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about your staff and, um, and, and so, so a lot of them are front of the house, but you've got staff in the kitchen as well. Yeah, I have a few girls helping me at the moment. Um, I think we're in that stage of 
our lease is coming to an end soon. Mm. So I actually opened up later than, so I'd already taken my lease on, um, was paying, paying the rent uh, while we were renovating, uh, the builder was working and everything like that. So my six months had already started ah. about two months into um, when we like you know went to media and things like that so yeah, yeah I actually have to decide in about three weeks whether I'm going to continue oh, on with my lease yeah, yeah. okay well, yeah so it's like quite a bit of pressure um yeah I do have some girls they're only part-time working with me at the moment the majority of the prep like I do um during the week and things like that like the small things like making pastry and stuff like that yeah I was going to ask you know because you've taken on that, that role of the owner and I guess head chef, head yeah. pastry chef, um, do you, is that a, like a mentoring role as well? Are you teaching people who are coming through or is it more that they have other tasks to do and you've got the main um, job? <laughs> I think at the moment I just have, like what I was trying to say to you before, like there's such a difference between like you want to have a business or like a restaurant or a shop like many chefs do, right? But I think once you actually get to that stage, um, there's a lot more little things that you have to think about and like mm. little pressures and things like that that you don't really account for before, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And just trying to manage all those things. So at the moment, yeah, I would prefer to have like more experienced staff, like chefs and things like that, that you don't have to train. Yeah. Just because, yeah, there's a lot of things going on mm. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay, so that's, that's a lot of, um, that's quite hard for you if you've only been open a short while and then to make that decision. Yeah, so. absolutely, yeah, because I mean, we've only been open probably, yeah, I think eight weeks, two months now, Yeah. I think, yeah, coming into two and a half months and yeah, now it's, I mean, no one really knows when they have a business, right? It's normally like one year or six months to really find your feet, whether it's a make or break situation, so, yeah. Mm. And... I mean, I think there'd be lots of customers who would be um, disappointed if you closed. Yeah, I think so. I was doing front of house on Sunday, and a few of them would like recognise me and said like how much they love my cakes. And they opened a permanent store, and another one was saying um, she wanted me to get a bigger shop, obviously because you know it's small. Uh, so yeah, there's that expectation too that you have from customers and other people. But I think you just have to do what makes you happy. Absolutely. At, at the end of the day, and what you know what. You want to get out of your career and moving forward and evolving and because yeah it, it's quite a lot it's obviously the pop-up isn't what i wanted in terms of like visuals and I still haven't got seats which is something that i want to do so yeah it's just making that decision knowing what's the right decision yeah absolutely yeah do you still then when it's your business and all of those other things that you mentioned do you still love making the cakes yeah, can absolutely. you still have that passion yeah. even though you've got all these other little factors coming in? Yeah, I think that's my main thing. Like, I love making cakes and making people happy through that and just being in the kitchen and being able to make stuff. It's all the other little things now that, like, you know, can bring you quite overwhelming that you need to do in a business, which is, yeah, can be a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You've maybe already talked about this, about some of the memories you have of cakes and desserts when you were growing up and that was making them for other people, but do you, do you have a particular cake or dessert that you've had that really sticks out in your memory that someone else has made? Um, that is a really good question. <laughs> there was a really good restaurant called um, St Crispin mm. and also the Town Mouse like many years yes. ago and they were savoury chefs but they made really good desserts. Like yeah. That's probably what's just popped into my head straight away. 
Yeah. Dave Verhul at um, yeah. he's got he's an Embla and um, I, true, I just yeah. saw one of his. They look that was architectural. I don't even know how it was. I don't know how you eat it. Like it was like a mille feu. You had a lot of things oh, inside yeah. it on Instagram. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, they always and, make nice desserts. Yeah, and so Crispin was. Um, I think Scott Pickett and Joe Greenback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they had really nice desserts. That was an amazing restaurant. I loved that. Yeah, restaurant. I loved it too. Yeah, yeah. I think he, well, he was my first, the first person I spoke to when I first had the idea oh, of really? conversation with the chef, Joe Greenback. Oh wow! And then, um, and I've spoken to Dave twice because Dave's a Kiwi as well. So. Oh really? I know. <laughs> yeah. So just to finish, um, Rosemary, just um, I often ask this question is, you know, with your years of experience and working for different people and so on, what would your advice be to a young person who is thinking about becoming a chef or in the early stages of their career? Um, I think just focus on yourself and like what you want to achieve and just sort of, you know, you see your own potential and just work hard at it and even if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, just keep going, like find a way to keep going to get to your goal, whether you want to have your own restaurant or your own shop. Um, and just be true to yourself, I think, and yeah, to try and find your own um, like palette and what you really like, rather than you know listening to what's trending or what's going on. And yeah, just yeah, keep going, I guess. Great, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Rosemary Andrews at Mieta by Rosemary. If you liked what you heard, you can check out all the goodness, and believe me, there is a lot of it, on Instagram at Mieta Melbourne, that's M-I-E-T-T-A Melbourne, and at Rosemary underscore A. If you'd like to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat and become a subscriber at www.conversationwithachef.com. I would love it if you told a friend about these chats. And of course, you can follow me and review me or even just rate me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and bon appétit.